Hey, good morning. How are we all? If you're a Bible app person, how about you flip open your Bible app? If not, it's cool. We're going to put, well, we already have put something on the screens. I want to uh, <clears throat> read one little slice of the Bible for us this morning. There's a guy named Paul. Uh, I refer to him as the undisputed heavyweight champion of the early church. He wrote a lot of what we now call the new part of the Bible, the New Testament, and it was instructions and inspiration and so on to the early church. He founded uh, many of the locations where the early church popped up. And he wrote to a a group of people in a place called Ephesus. He wrote this, and uh, I'm just gonna read this. This is one of my life verses. He said, God can do anything. Now we, we know that God can do everything. All things are possible for nothing is impossible with God. But do you know that not only can God do everything, but God can do anything. And the reason I make that distinction is because often we say we come to God with a list because we know that God can do everything. So let's put our list in front of Him and, and have Him work through our list. But God can also do anything. In other words, He can do stuff that we haven't even put on the list. He can do stuff even better. And you know why I know this? Because Paul went on to say, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or put on your list and hand it into Him in your wildest dreams. And about five months ago, I really felt that what God wanted us to do in the near future, I know five months can seem like a long time, but it's not. In the near future was actually spend a time as Elevate Church Asking God to do anything, not everything, anything. God, what do you want to do? And uh, that starts today. We're launching not a series, but what I am calling a season where I want us just to come before God. And I believe this was what He wants us to do and just say, God, have your way in me. Not, you, not my will, but your will. And just bring a blank piece of paper to Him and say, write on it, God stuff that I haven't even thought of or asked for or or can't even yet imagine. And we've called this season Six Stupefying Sundays. I know that the word stupefy, Pete Ridyard will be able to tell you what it means, but I'll tell you. It means in its positive connotation, to astonish, to amaze, to surprise, to to be left jaw-dropped. And we've got the next, it'll be seven weeks, not just for one hour on a Sunday, but actually as a church to, we're calling it to live expectant and to say, God, stupefy me, leave me stupefied, astonish me, cause my jaw to drop in amazement at what you have done, who you are, that's beyond anything that I can even ask for or imagine. So we're gonna launch Right now, uh, I'm gonna be preaching very shortly. Over the next six weeks, I'm gonna preach faith and breakthrough. The messages are gonna build over the six stupefying Sundays. So I highly recommend you be here for each of those six weeks. Cancel other plans, whatever they were, they're not as good. And be here and be here with that open heart, that open slate and say, God, amaze me. 
we, we've uh, handpicked a few team members who are also gonna be available at the end of our live experience each of the six Sundays to pray for you, pray with you, pray into you, into your future. And uh, they'll be available down here. I'll remind you when I finish preaching. But if, if there's anything you want God to do or you just say, God, I want you to have your way in me, they'll actually join their faith with yours. And they've been preparing to do that. And so that's something that we're just adding in in this, in this season to see God do miracles. Wouldn't it be incredible to be a part of a church where miracles are normal? Not, oh my gosh, a miracle happened this year. What a surprise. But normal, every day. God, stupefying us. So we're gonna launch that. Today, I'm gonna be preaching on a topic that I can reasonably confidently, 100% confidently, suggest applies to every single one of us. My question, Russ, is have you ever felt frustrated? Anybody ever felt frustrated? Well, you're gonna be glad you're here. Let's roll the tape. You feel defeated. You're frustrated right now. You think you're the only one who's been told it's over? You think you're the only one that's ever been told you're not good enough. You think you're the only one that's been told you're a failure? Head hanging down, look at you. You think you're the only one that's been told you're never gonna make it. That there's so many others that are better than you just because it didn't work out today. Just because it didn't work out the way you wanted it to. You wasn't created to be normal. You wasn't created to be average. You're not mediocre. There's greatness within you. There's greatness within you. And the only way to the next level of your greatness is through your frustration. The most faithful people are the most frustrated people. Why? Because they're committed to the cause. They're dedicated. They're deeply engaged. In everything that you do, you give it your all. And when you give it your all, you expect results. Well, go through the pain. Deal with it. Deal with the hurt. Lay it all on the line. Your mind, your body, your soul, and even your spirit. Be willing to do whatever it takes. Be willing to do what no one else wants to do. Tell yourself, I'm going to fight. I'm going to be stronger. I'm going to be better. I'm going to keep fighting. Be thankful for that frustration because without it, you may have never known how great you really are. Let that frustration push you into greatness. It's either going to bury you or make you great. Let's go. Have you ever noticed how two people can have the very same experience and yet come away with a very different report of that experience, having interpreted the identical experience very, very differently? I learned this lesson when I first got married, that Louie and I, we interpret silence very differently. See, she processes things by talking them through. And I process things by thinking them through. So for Louis, silence was an invitation to speak. But for me, 
her speaking while things were silent was an interruption. We got frustrated with each other. I was frustrated because Louis would never shut up. And she would get frustrated because she thought she'd married a mannequin. (laughs) Two people, same job, same company, adjacent cubicles. And one of them's screensaver is TGIM. Thank God it's Monday. And the next bozo in the cubicle, his screensaver is TGIF. Same job, same company, different interpretation of the same experience. I've seen it in churches, live on a Sunday, where one person's sitting there or standing there. Thank God that song's over. I thought it would never finish. Stupid bridge. And, And they look and next to them is a person wiping the tears and the snot from their face because God had just been performing open heart surgery during that very song. And they were hoping it would never end. Our experience of life is largely determined by how we interpret the experiences in our life. Now, flip your Bible app open if you've got it. If you haven't, we'll chuck it on the screens. I wanna read something else that Paul wrote, something I mentioned. Sorry, somebody I mentioned a moment ago. I wanna read something he wrote to a church in a place called Corinth. And uh, throw it up there, Zod, but here's, here's what he wrote to them. Even if I should choose to boast, I wouldn't be a fool because I'd be speaking the truth. <laughs> Even if I chose to post to Instagram all of the great and incredible things I've done, it'd be fine, cause I have, I've done them. I'm incredible. Even if I chose to humble brag on Facebook, you shouldn't think it's inappropriate because I got a lot of reasons to humble brag. And he did, he did a lot of cool stuff. He's telling, they would have known that. He's, he, so, you know, if I was about to kind of tell you how good I am, it'd be appropriate because I am that good. But I refrain. So no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. The stuff that no one does put on Instagram. Hashtag epic fail. I'm I'm gonna talk about that so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions. What? Who does that? 
Therefore, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. What is going on there? Well, maybe Paul knows something that not everyone else knows. Well, yeah, he does. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. See, I mentioned earlier, Paul was the undisputed heavyweight champion of the early church, and yet he felt frustrated. He was incredibly faithful. He was incredibly fruitful. And he was incredibly frustrated. Do you find that encouraging? That it happens to the best of them? I think it's fantastic. I'm like, (laughs) it's not just me that feels frustrated. Well, thank God for that. Paul felt frustrated. Well, that's a relief. You're in good company if you've ever felt frustrated. That's good to know. In fact, the most faithful people are typically the most frustrated because they know what they're faithfully doing matters because they're engaged, because they haven't quit. If you don't care, then you don't get frustrated, right? Last Sunday, those of you that were here would uh, remember we did a live cross to me cycling up at the Five Dams Challenge. Five Dams Challenge, uh, it's an annual event here in Perth um, where a couple of thousand lunatics get on their push bikes and ride from, uh, this year was from Curtin University, a 240k loop up past the Five Dams back to Curtin University. 3,000 metres of climbing and uh, bikes don't freewheel uphill. So it's kind of hard at times. Temperature got to 35 degrees uh, at one point. Um, anyway, you do it in, in, in a buddy system. And uh, Stewie the Splits Roberts, who I noticed isn't here today, maybe he's still recovering. Um, you can text him and tell him I said that. You don't come to defend yourself, I'll have to take a free shot. Um, so I asked Stewie to come and do this five dams challenge a year ago. And uh, something beyond what he's previously done athletically. So I offered to coach him and, and uh, he did great, by the way, he did fantastic. But in the, in the, in the lead up to a, a, an endurance event like this, and we knew we were gonna be uh, on, in the saddle for give or take 10 hours, you train your, yourself physically, but you also need to train yourself mentally. Physically, you'll have some uh, bright spots during the 10 hours and physically you'll have some dark spots during the 10 hours, that's normal. Uh, but also mentally, mentally, there'll be some times that you think, bring on Lance Armstrong and his performance enhancing drugs and I'll take him down. And there's other parts during the 10 hours where you, you want a hug from your mum. And so it, it's just gonna happen. And so I'm explaining this to Stewie. Stewie, I mean, we're gonna get it done. My motto, I don't quit, we're gonna get it done. The only way I don't finish an event is if they put me in the back of an ambulance and that's only happened once. So we're gonna get it done, mate. We're gonna get it done, but you need to understand that you need to train your brain. You need to train your brain because there's gonna be times where you're gonna be halfway up a hill and you think, this sucks. No one's gonna feel sorry for you, mate. You may feel like you've caught the flu, but you gave it to yourself. You signed up for this event. I ain't gonna feel sorry for you. 
It's gonna suck sometimes. It's gonna be a headwind sometimes, because that's Perth. It's gonna be a headwind sometimes and then you're gonna turn like 90 degrees and think, oh my God, thank God, it's now gonna be a tailwind. No, it's Perth, the winds shift. And you're gonna think, well, this sucks. Yeah, yeah, it does, it sucks. It's gonna be hot. Someone's gonna push in front of you at the, at the ice machine line at one of the aid stations at the dams. And, and so my coaching mentally to Stewie was, was, was a simple statement that I have been using for years as an endurance athlete. Embrace the suck. It's going to suck sometimes. You can't control that. It's going to suck sometimes. What you need to do when it sucks is embrace the suck. Because here's the thing, when it sucks as you're climbing out of the climb out of Canning Dam, the fact that it sucks is a sign that you haven't quit. The fact that it sucks is a sign that you're still going. The fact that it sucks when you turn onto the freeway and you think 80 more kilometres to go of flat, endless, boring, red ochre bike path with no respite for my junk. Just get on with it, mate. It sucks, but you gotta embrace the suck. Can't unsee, can't unsee. Yeah, all right. Frustration is almost always a sign that what you're doing matters. And it's a sign that you're still in the hunt. You're still in the game. You haven't quit. Frustration can be a very, 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 very positive thing. I want you to notice here, Paul, Paul said that the cause of his frustration was a thorn in his flesh, which was a metaphor, okay? It's, and it's a very interesting metaphor. It's interesting for two reasons. Number one is it, it, we understand that a thorn is a very small thing but yet often small things can cause enormous amounts of frustration. And that makes it even more frustrating because we think this little thing shouldn't be causing me so much frustration. Well, it does sometimes. But the other thing is, he, he, it wasn't a thorn. It's, it's a metaphor, right? We don't actually know what it was. This thing that Paul said was frustrating, we don't know what it was. Really smart people over the last 2,000 years have tried to actually kind of get around, get behind the curtain of what, what was actually the thing that Paul called a thorn. Um, some scholars think it may have been an eye condition that he had stink eye or pink eye or gammy eye. We don't know. It might have been. It might have been. I don't think it was, but it might have been, but we don't know. Um, some have concluded it might have been the persecution. He used to be a Jewish leader. His job, his job was to kill Christians. And then he became a Christian. So his former colleagues and employers, he was now their target market. Maybe that was the thorn that he kept on getting persecuted from his, from his former Jewish friends. We don't know. Uh, some scholars concluded that, that, that he was very unimpressive physically. That, that, that he was this 
undisputed heavyweight champion of the early church, launching churches here, launching churches there, raising up leaders, writing these incredible instructions, withstanding persecution. And then people would meet him and see him in the flesh and think, you look bigger on TV. That maybe he didn't like that. He found that insulting. Hey, we don't know. But actually it's better that we don't know what the thorn was. Because if we knew and it didn't apply to us, we might just blow right past. Because if you've never had an eye condition, what do you care? If you've never had Jewish people persecuting you, you'd be like, Paul, poor bastard, doesn't work for me. And just blow past. If, 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 if people have ever looked at you and thought you're unimpressive physically, it's never happened to me, then, you know, you might not even relate to it. So, so there's, this, there's this thing, this metaphor of a thorn, and, and, and I'm pretty sure we can all relate to that. Something in our lives that may be seemingly pretty small, but causes us large amounts of frustration. So what did Paul do about it? Reese, come up here. Reese, Reese is my stunt double. Come on here. Reese, you're the thorn. All right? Now you're the thorn. Now I want you to now I want you to know you're the thorn. I've just read this from what's called the NIV, the New International Version of the Bible, right? So you're the thorn according to the NIV. But I'm now going to read from the message, right? You're not a thorn anymore. I can't tell you what you are. You won't like it. No, it's not an upgrade. No. You were a thorn. No, 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 no. You can't. Well, you can look there too, but anyway, listen. All right. So you're the thorn. And just for the sake of this, uh, of this I'm Paul, right? Now you're in my flesh. You're up in my flesh. And I don't like it very much, right? So what did Paul do? Well, let me read it from the message. I was given the gift of a handicap. Sorry about that, Reese. I like to call people handicapped, but it's not very PC, but it's what this one said. I was given the gift of a Do you know just right there, that's fascinating. When you get given something bad, you don't call it a gift. I was given the gift of a shotgun wound. You, you, we don't say that. We, we say an, 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 an affliction of a handicap. Wouldn't we say that, Right? So already Paul's got my attention. Why is he calling a handicap a gift? If you gave me a gift of a handicap for Christmas, I don't interpret that as you liking me very much. I ride on it, return to sender. You can take your flippin' handicap. Anyway, so he's got my attention. I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. This is the guy that just said, I could brag all I wanted to. And if I wanted to, you couldn't actually hold me down because everything I'd be bragging about was actually true. But I was given the gift of a handicap, the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. And what he in fact did was push me to my knees. Do you know to the devil, us on our knees is a sign of defeat, but to Jesus, us on our knees is the posture of victory. Huh? So if you ever feel that life's got you on your knees, you might as well pray while you're there. How we doing? We're doing 
I haven't even got to the bit yet. No danger of walking around high and mighty when I'm on my knees. Now, at first I didn't think of it as a gift. And I begged God to remove it. So here's the thing. This is the picture. Paul's making progress. Launching a church. Colossae, boom. Ephesus, boom. Corinth, boom. He's on a bit of a roll. He's got opposition and yet he's getting it done anyway. And then along comes a handicap sent by Satan to impede his progress. <laughs> he was handpicked for this very thing. <laughs> so, so initially Paul's thinking, this isn't working for me. I was doing so good. Ephesus, Colossae, Corinth, Philippi. Maybe I'll start a church in Rome. I heard the espresso is good. (laughs) And everything that Paul saw in his future was on the other side of this obstacle. So Paul did what anyone else would have done. You would have done it, I would have done it. I begged God to remove it. God, that handicap, it's really, really a problem. For me to make progress in my life, I want you to get rid of that, please. All right, God, this handicap's got a bit of sass. This handicap's trying to steal my thunder up here on the stage. So look, God, I know you've called me. I know I've got a future. I know I've got a purpose. I know I've got an incredible destiny. I know you're not done using me to serve you, but in order for me to get the progress made that you've called me to, I need to get rid of that thing that's impeding my progress. Thank you in Jesus' Name, Amen. Bugger. All right, God, I'll even get rid of the churchy language and just talk to you like honestly. This thing is really bothering me. Can you please take it away? And then God told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and started appreciating the gift. I stopped focusing on the handicap and started focusing on the gift. I stopped focusing on the handicap, this, and started focusing on the gift, this. See, not only can two people interpret the exact same experience through a different lens, you can interpret the exact same experience through a different lens. Yeah? 
This didn't change when Paul prayed three times, but something did. Something did. Because he stopped calling this a handicap and started calling it a gift. I know he's married. I conducted their wedding. Although they did get married in Queensland, different rules there. This didn't change. Paul's perspective changed. And from that moment, Paul didn't have his progress impeded. He took this with him. He made friends with frustration. Hey, buddy, I'm off to Rome to plant a church. Let's go. How about you give it up for Reese, everyone? Very good, very good. From now on, I think I'm gonna do all my own stunts. Paul made friends with frustration. God didn't remove the thorn, didn't remove the handicap. That didn't change, but Paul's perspective changed. Now, look at this, rewind just a little bit. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. See, God didn't actually give the thorn to Paul, right? Paul said that the devil actually gave him the thorn. And our instinct is to, anything that comes from the devil, our instinct is to pray it away and we expect that God will remove it, right? Like why would God, I mean, <laughs> but in this situation, not only God did God allow the thorn to come, God actually allowed the thorn to stay. The messenger was from Satan But thankfully, ultimately, the message was from God. And you can discover that frustration is a friend that comes bearing gifts. Simply with a change of perspective, a God message through a devil situation. And I've observed that that some people the only prayers they pray are asking God to deliver them from stuff. Yet sometimes our prayer should be for God to deliver us to stuff, to a greater revelation of who He is, to a clearer perspective of what He's trying to achieve to a greater understanding that it's not our strength that is the limit to our progress. It's His strength that we need to achieve the progress that He's calling us to. Not just to pray for God to deliver us from something, but to deliver us to something. People that quit the job because they find their colleagues frustrating and yet don't embrace the opportunity for as long as they're in that job to develop better people skills. Conflict resolution skills. I've got someone right now who's going through, not going through, they're in a, a work culture, a work environment that is incredibly dysfunctional. 
in this season of their life, they can't leave that job. So instead of praying right, right now for God to get them out of their job, they're focusing on God to grow them in that job, to become better at dealing with the bozos. Because if you don't, you can quit that job. Guess what? There's bozos in the next job and you'll be no better equipped to deal with them. Because you didn't ask God, what are you doing while I've got this thorn in my flesh? What are you trying to teach me? How are you trying to shape me? How are you trying to get me to rely on your strength, not just on my own smarts? People quit the marriage because their spouse is causing them frustration. And six marriages later, they haven't learned any skills. And they blame each of the six spouses and forget that the only common denominator in those six marriages was them. It's simple mathematics. People changing churches because they found some people or some decisions frustrating. And they go to the next church looking for a perfect church. And discover that they find people there that frustrate them and decisions there that are made that they find frustrating. Now, if you have no frustrations, I wouldn't be sitting there smug and coy about that. I'd be deeply concerned if that's you right now, that if you have no frustrations right now, I'd be deeply concerned. If I were you, I have a lot. I'll get to that in a minute. Because if you have no frustrations, it's potentially a sign that you've discovered or concluded you don't need God. You're doing just fine on your own. Well, I don't wanna live my life without God. So if I had no frustrations, I'd be deeply concerned by that. Or the other thing that it might be a sign of is that you've become complacent, that, that you're no longer taking risks, that you're no longer living the white knuckle life that should be following Jesus barely holding on for the ride, relying on His strength. Now, I've been leading here for just over five years. And uh, there has not been a day in that five-year period, not one single day, where I have not felt frustrated. Don't worry, I'm not looking at you. Well, I am. I'm not blaming you. There's been a lot of great things that's, that's happened already in the last five years that I'm incredibly thankful for. And, and, and in another message, in another topic, in another context, I'll, I'll, I'll throw that list out there. But you know what? Every single day in the last five years, I feel and have felt frustrated. Frustrated that we could be going further, faster with more leaders. Frustrated frustrated that we can be going further faster with more team members, frustrated, frustrated, wanting to rule the world, frustrated, frustrated if we are struggling with financial resources, frustrated, knowing we can go further faster with more financial resources, frustrated. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll keep the list short. It's a long list. My number one frustration is on any given Sunday where I invite 
people to make a decision to follow Jesus for the first time. And nobody responds to that. Frustrated. You know, the next thing that we do here, the way we schedule things, is after we give people an opportunity to follow Jesus, we then tell you what the coffee is for the day. And I sit down there and whoever's platform leading gets up and talks about the coffee. If nobody's put their hand up, I couldn't give a shit what the coffee is. Because nobody made a decision to follow Jesus on that day. I get frustrated. But I take the frustration as a sign that it matters. If it didn't matter, I wouldn't be frustrated. You know, there's a solution to me feeling frustrated about those things. In fact, there's two solutions. In fact, there's three solutions. Three solutions. They're easy. You don't lead a church, you don't have to write these down. If you know someone that does and they ever say, oh, I'm so frustrated, you could give them some advice. There's three solutions to that, to stop feeling frustrated. Number one, quit. Go get a Clark Kent job somewhere and the stuff that, that you're frustrated with while you're church leader, you are not gonna be as frustrated anymore. So that's an option. I mean, it's an option. I, I ain't taking it, but it's an option. Quit, just quit. There's another option, lower our expectations. I mean, you know, we've got some leaders. It's better than none. We've got a few team members. Better than having to do all the work yourself. As far as the money goes, I mean, look, you know, the lights are still on. At least we have coffee. So here's what we'll do. I'm sick of being frustrated. So here's what we're gonna do. On the way out, we've got these little laminated numbered membership cards and they go from one, that's mine, number one ticket holder, up to 100. They're laminated, so you can't fudge them. And because you're here today and because I wanna decrease my level of frustration, you will get one on the way out. And, and, and as of next week, the only people that are allowed in are the people with their membership card. You don't have to be frustrated by that because you get one, they're free. And, 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 and then here's what we'll do. Either till Jesus comes or we go, whichever comes first, we just meet up here every week. Show your membership card. The men in black will let you in. Sit in the same seat like you do. And, and it's cool. And then we go to heaven eventually. And you don't have to be frustrated. <laughs> Come on, that's freaking genius. Yeah, like that? An exclusive club for 100 people. And we meet here for an hour every Sunday. And what we do while we're meeting here for an hour every Sunday is we tell everybody in a 20K radius that doesn't know Jesus that they can just go to hell. That wasn't a metaphor that I just used. We're in, you're out, you can go to hell. Well, I, I, I'm gonna tell you this. This plan that I came up with, that would remove all my frustration, we're not gonna do that. Because 
the feeling of frustration is a sign that what we're doing matters, is a sign that we haven't quit, is a sign that we aren't going to lower our expectations, but we're instead gonna believe God for miracles that our friends, our family, our colleagues, our neighbours, our spouses, our kids still can and will meet Jesus here. And until they do, I'm frustrated. But I'm not gonna quit. I'm gonna make friends with frustration and cause it, this is the third solution, to drive us to our knees. That if we're not seeing as many people meet Jesus for the first time as we think we should, and because we we think there should be more, we're frustrated that there isn't, that should drive us to our knees. That what what we're doing, we need to ramp up the intensity of asking God for His strength, His grace, His mercy, His power at work in our lives. Not just for us. Bless me, Jesus. Make friends with frustration. My grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Paul's frustration caused him to shift from focusing on his gifts to focusing on God's grace. In a moment, we're gonna have some of our team members available down the front here to pray for you and with you. And uh, I've already let them know what I was gonna be preaching about today. And I said that there may be some people here that are dealing with a frustrating situation, job, health, financial, relationship. And if you are, then I encourage you to come and ask Him to pray with you. But, it was body parts falling off up here. That's frustrating. Um, but I've said to them, maybe don't pray for that person to get past that frustrating situation just yet. Maybe pray for them to see what God wants to do in that frustrating situation. How do you tell the difference? Well, that's next week. Talk about that. I'm gonna ask a question, I'm gonna do it. Hope I don't get frustrated, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna ask a question this morning before we announce the coffee of the day. I'm all, all about, by the way. Not hating on coffee. Man, my iPad's noisy today. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time, I'll give you the opportunity to do that right now. And all I want you to do is just put your hand up in a moment and say to God, that's me, I wanna follow Jesus for the first time. I wanna start a relationship with Him. I'll see your hand, I mean, He will, but I'll see it as well and ask you to put it down. And When you put it down, we'll pray with you. But just as I look across our auditorium, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus yet, then slip your hand up and uh, God will see your hand, I'll see your hand, you can put it down. How about you look up at me? It's frustrating. By the way, declaring the things that frustrate me, please don't feel sorry for me. I signed up for this. I wouldn't 
do anything else for any other way. And by the way, if 100 people just put their hand up to follow Jesus, it, it still wouldn't be enough and I'd still be frustrated. If 100 people sign up tomorrow to be leaders, we'd be grateful, but I'd still be frustrated because we want 1,000. If our giving quintupled this week, I'd still be frustrated because we always have more vision than we have resources, right? But don't feel sorry for me, please. It's not what I do. Here's what you can do. <laughs> just check your frustration level at some of the things I just shared. Because your, your ownership, this isn't my church, we are the church. And, and, and <laughs> I'm not hating on you, right? I mean, T-Swizz said the haters gonna hate, 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 but you know, what does she know? Um, I'm not hating on you right now. Oh, shut up. Get that bloody stupid thing away from me. God, it's true. I'm so frustrated. My stupid technology keeps working like it was designed to. Um, let me invite you, even over these next six, seven weeks, if some of the things I just shared about Elevate Church's frustrations, not Mark Pomery's frustrations, allow them to frustrate you even more than they do already because that's a sign that you own our vision. You own our mission. This isn't Mark's vision, Mark's mission. This is our vision and our mission that God's given to us for us to do. And so... The, I, <laughs> I want to invite you over the next seven weeks to allow your collective frustration levels to go through the roof. <laughs> All right, tell us what the coffee is.